Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 11, Episode 7, titled From Farm to Runway. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one organic co-host. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... I don't give a damn anymore. We probably won't be friends after this show. (laughs) To Taylor... The Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Joseph. How are you doing? My bussy has a low-carbon footprint. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> I don't know, because we were talking about organic. Oh, well, so yes, I, I just wanted to show that I'm green, too. God, I could sit here all day and tell these jokes, but you know what, Taylor? What? We have to get right to it. This week, the girls jiggle in a potato sack race and are tasked with using natural organic ingredients in a design challenge. Plastique cries on RuPaul's shoulder, Silky and Evie shade each other, and Silky, Raja, Evie Oddly, and Vanessa Vangie Mateo all get really heated on Untucked. On the main stage, Plastic Tiara is named the winner of the challenge, while Akiria and Raja O'Hara are forced to go head-to-head in a lip-sync battle for their lives. After a fierce battle... Raja Dunn flips her wig and is asked to sashay away. Taylor the Latte Boy, name two things you like about the episode and one thing you did not. Thanks, Taylor. So, um, okay. Hmm. <laughs> How do I put this? Did I like the episode? Did, did that one time. I like the episode? First of all, you know, I hate this show. I yeah. hate it with all my heart. In fact, mm-hmm. when I'm watching it, I'm constantly crying. It it hurts to watch it more than when <laughs> than when Papa Lou is shoving his dick up me. <laughs> well, now I know I have to edit the show. <laughs> now, now I'm going to get it. <laughs> Spoiler for people in the room. <laughs> okay, so uh, Taylor, what are your what are your two things you like? And one thing you didn't. Okay. I will say that I did listen to your first Rue sponsor. Good. So normally I don't, but I had a little bit of time today at work, so I decided to listen to it. Mm -hmm. This, and I will wholeheartedly agree with you that this is the probably the best episode of the season Mm -hmm. so far. Um, Very much enjoyed it. What I liked so much about it was this i re- I, I thought about this a lot today at work which is really great for clients that i was seeing i relapsed and my mother kicked me out of the house and i don't have anywhere to live and you're like i think the thought you bubble in your head somebody, are you familiar with plastique tiara <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was dealing with something with her family too yeah okay go ahead no um and I realized that this episode, what I think I loved so much about this episode was this felt like an old school season four episode of Drag Race mm-hmm. in that the majority. <laughs> no, Hera's the villain. Oh, no. That, the girl, you told oh, me was that, that really? No, Hera is, that was something. Else. Oh, okay, okay. Do it again. I'll take villain. it out. Take it out. It's, no, it's okay. It's okay. Keep it in. Oh, no, Hera is the villain. They had a something that was very campy as far as the mini challenge. It was a design challenge, an unconventional design challenge that was the focus of it. And Untucked was crazy off the chain. <laughs> it was it just everything about it. I loved it from beginning to end. Um, so that that's kind of like, I mean, really, I sort of have this overwhelming, I really, really like this episode. My second thing that I loved was 
Brooklyn Heights all through Untucked. We have all been Brooklyn Heights in Untucked at some point in our lives. And the fact that she was so there towards the end, it was it was teetering on extra, but especially in the beginning with the, the looking in the cameras. One of my all-time favorite moments is Adore Delano looking in the camera directly mm-hmm. at the camera one time. And we kind of got a little bit of that with this, which again goes back to that like on old school. It was it was so fucking funny. Um I, I have I have a lot of positive things to say about these two hours with one change up that I would like to see happen in future seasons uh, later on. But uh, the one thing I did not like was just how ugly personality wise Raja was in this. I mean, it's definitely something that I feel needs to be discussed further and we're getting ready to talk about it. it, But it just was, it was just so she became the character that you love to hate. She became, she became Fifi O'Hara. In the course of though, Fifi O'Hara had multiple weeks to get to that point of where she became the person you love to hate. I think Fifi they're O'Hara related too. Hmm? I think they're related. They drag. might be. I, I don't they're know. Drag related. Yeah, go ahead. So, but to do that and to get to where you do that really kind of because you were sort of there were times that you were kind of rooting for her and other times you weren't. And then especially at once she hit with the Scarlet stuff, it. It just got to where I just really was so glad she was going home. In fact, I almost I have a conspiracy about the lip sync that we'll talk about when we get to the lip syncs. Don't you think though, as, let me ask you a question. Because I, I am not a men- I am a crazy person, but I am not a mental health clinician. Mm-hmm. Don't you and just just for just for being part of the crazy people club. I could see exactly what was going on with Raja. And I'm sure we'll get into it in, in, in both our cursory look at Untucked here on the recap show, but also the deep dive we're going to do later for Patreon. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you see, like, right in front what was really going on with Raja? Like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, sh- yeah. No, it, it, it was – she was Hector Projector. She yeah. was – everything was I, – I, I'm, I'm recognizing I'm at the end. And I am deflecting and doing everything I can to talk about other people and to talk shit about other people and had any sort of attention off of me so that I can try to fly under the radar through match game. Mm-hmm. That That is what that whole thing felt like where we were talking shit about other people and we were talking shit about, you know, we talk, talking shit about Scarlet that's not even there anymore. Just yeah. the beginning, her walking yeah. in and going, we don't need to spend time looking at her mirror and all that. It's just, it was so ugly. It was just such an ugly uh, ugly display mm-hmm. that it made it really hard if for you to potentially root for her in the future, even even in the arc of this episode. Like when she came out during the runway, I said bottom three, definitely bottom three. Mm-hmm. So so when it got to the end where she got the lip sync, I was like, if she doesn't go home, because you made a face at me when I said something about this can't take her much longer <laughs> last week, and you made a face where I'm like. Oh God! Does she go to top four? Because if she goes to top four, I'm going to kill myself. No, the four the face was, and you should going home the next week. Oh, okay. So it it made it that much more sweet when she was in the bottom, and I thought, okay, third third or fourth lip sync, depending on the on the top six, the or the bottom six thing, she has to go home this time. Yeah. So, but it, like I said, 
we we like an old couple we turned off the tv and babalu looked at me and went well that was a really good episode and i'm like that was a good episode that was a good episode now what's on ncis la this week um <laughs> is that, i don't even know it's a real show i just think that things have an la next to it all right here we go after scarlet's elimination raja triumphantly struts into the workroom followed by the other girls at first raja is hesitant to read the mirror message but then proceeds to do so before erasing it during her confessional raja continues to read scarlet while the other girls may hoot and holler when Raja continues to come for Scarlet, in their confessional interviews, they criticize Raja for still coming for Scarlet. Later, Akaria receives her congratulations for her win, and Plastique is proud of how she's performed so far, despite the eye rolls and critical confessionals from Silky Nutmeg Ganache. Next, we're back to Raja, who continues to come for Scarlet in the confessional, but then extends the read to other girls in the cast. Taylor, your whole thought process on this cold open that we saw um well when akiria said you know i have this win now i just have to keep the momentum going i thought that's that's not a good sign mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a good sign for the end of this episode for akiria um because that's a very classic i won last week and i just have to keep going and then mm-hmm. you know you're, you're free to go home um plastique it was clear that this was this was a very plastique centered episode, mm-hmm. and that was just sort of the beginning of that arc. Is that she was she was getting ready to blossom a little bit more than we've seen her as far as personality and background to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, with Silky's comments, you can see we t- we talked a little bit before about Raja that Raja is definitely kind of feeling the desperation a little bit more, but you're starting to see it in everybody else. Everybody else is starting to recognize the filler queens are for the most part gone. And now it's, de- it's really down to the nitty gritty to, to the nutmeg ganache. And it's, it's time to start. You can see, see people starting to get a little bit more where the claws are out and that they're, they're, they're focused on what can I do to stand out now? Because it was, it was easier to stand out when there was much filler queens around now that now it's getting down to where we're going to start looking at. And you're going to start seeing, I think in deliberation, they're going to start going for minute details they're going to start looking for a hair's difference between girls as to figuring out who's in the top and who's in the bottom. So I, I, I like it. it. It's starting to feel like, you know, for as much as we sort of lambasted the beginning of this season, I'm hoping that by the end, this, we, we are as excited about this as we've been excited about other seasons. And it feels like it's start. It feels like the ship is finally starting to turn yeah. a little bit. Usually this kind of stuff happens around snatch game, but it seems like it's, it that they, it was almost like lurking like a ninja and then just sort of popped out uh, yeah. around this episode cuz you could if you think about now in hindsight last week's episode was sort of building towards this but yeah. uh but now maybe and then, then next week's snatch game and uh that that always proves to be fun no matter what happens it always proves to be a good episode i am going to assume because they brought it up last week and they are, they brought it up this week again and untucked that they are moving towards a Evie silky lip sync. I mean, I don't know that and I'm purposely not looking at your face right now. So I, I it just feels like they are gearing the two of them up for some, like this wasn't the battle. There's going to be a battle later on and I'm getting super excited for it. Um. Okay. So I want to talk about. I get to talk to you, you know, Taylor. When Raja walked in, 
to this workroom. Like, usually, okay, she came in with an All Stars 2 strut. You know, ironically, that she had a lip sync to it later and go home to the song strut. <laughs> but she walked into this workroom with an All Stars 2 strut, where it makes sense. When you win the lip sync in All Stars 2, you are the winner of the challenge. You're the yeah. winner of the lip sync. You're $10,000 richer. You sent someone home, and you're just the fucking cock of the walk, right? When you walk in, that mm-hmm. makes sense. But yet, not all of the girls do that in All Stars 2. No. But, but if they did, it would make sense. But on RuPaul's Drag Race, when you're the first one in because you won the lip sync, you almost went home. Like, you did not yeah. perform well. There's no reason for you to... She strut into that workroom like she won. Okay, but this also speaks to a theme of something else that I want. I, I was planning on addressing later, but I was... Yeah. She referred to herself in that first act as, I am the lip sync assassin. Yeah. So what she is, I think, trying to do while also projecting is she is trying to write the narrative and she is trying to get that out there as that I am the I am the one that sends girls home. And and I if I walk in there very confident, it's fine if you get me where I'm going to be lip syncing later mm-hmm. on because I'm going to take all of you out one one after the other. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of that where probably on the inside she was thinking, holy shit, I almost just went home. Because again, I mean, really, I've seen multiple things on Reddit. I've heard other Drag Race podcasts that aren't as good as ours. And they talk about the fact that that really was kind of a nail biter, that it could have been one or the other. You know, I still think it should have been Scarlet compared to Raja. Scarlet should have stayed and uh, Raja should have gone home. A but, lot of people agree with you. But yeah. But there is. So, go ahead. So I think that part of this is that she is trying to write that narrative. Not only in confessionals, but also when she walks in of I'm going to be referred to it as cock of the walk of where we're going to walk in and we are just going to we're, we're going to act like we're the shit, even if we're dying inside, because I want to be known as if nothing else, I want to be known as the lip sync lip sync assassin when it comes time for reunion time. Oh, I see what you're saying. She's 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 building that narrative. She's writing that for her. You yes. know, but here's my question, though, is I kind I, I this is nothing. with and this, this is not a this is. More an addendum to what you said, not necessarily countering it. But okay. my question to her would be, Tamar, do you watch the show? Because there's no one. I think who's there's only been one person I think who's gone to four lip syncs. And I think they went home on number four. You know? Wasn't it Cameron? Didn't Cameron do four? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cameron's done a bunch too. And then he went to the finale. But um, it's one of these things where like, your date that that's really that, that there is a heavy heavy mark on you when you like there's a, a grim reaper standing right behind you and for every lip sync you do it gets one step closer one two um and I hope I'm using this this term correctly but there seems to be a cognitive dissonance between reality and when what Raja and Silky see as reality Does that yeah make sense? no and that's that that's but I think that part of that I, there may be a cognitive. I think more so on Silky mm-hmm. than on Raja. Yeah. Because Raja's been in the bottom enough. Raja's had that spotlight on her with that target on her back and recognizes, and, I, I have to try to get in front of this. We're using so a lot of I'm bird terms, to, but you're saying she's like peacocking, essentially. Yeah, kind of. But where I have to, I recognize, you know, I've seen the show enough that I know that the girls usually walk in looking defeated. Mm-hmm. So I am going to, if I walk in there very confident and using phrases and confessionals like lip sync assassin mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, I'm going to look at it as, Oh, this, this is, this was my plan all along. Yeah. I don't see why, you know, why, why are y'all sweating? This, this, yeah. this is what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. 
and this kind of goes to what I was going to talk about later compared to Silky, who Silky said repeatedly in Untucked, I know America's going to love me. Yeah. And I know that this, this is what America wants. And this is at, whereas we have seen yeah. over the course of <laughs> the last couple of weeks, not everybody is necessarily picking up what Silky's putting down. Yeah. So I think, but I think in Silky's head, there is more a cognitive that, that I am just this crazy, loud, big, beautiful, just running around, just doing my shit. And everybody's going to eat that shit up because the bar that I, I perform at, they eat that up. So everybody else is clearly going to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Th- there is, I get what you're talking about. And there is kind of a general theme of people trying to, trying to write the narrative kind of like we've talked about silky doing in the past, but th- there is more of a cognitive d- dissonance with what silky is doing. I think than what, Raja's. I think Raja, because Raja at one point even says, you know, I've got, I know the target on my back just got bigger. Yeah. So she is aware of it, but she's trying to say things. So we're doing that through kind of acting cocky. And we're also doing that by talking shit about the other people around us. It's a, it's kind of a classic Fifi O'Hara move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anyone in the chat room has confirmed whether I think, I think they're related in some kind of way. I can't remember how. All so, right. U- UK Barney just said something really cool. He said, Silky is last reality TV fast food. Fun at the time, but will not sustain. The next it's day, been- Evie enters the workroom on crutches, followed by the other girls. Around the work table, Silky poses the question, which of the queens have been compared to former contestants? Silky says people call her Baby Latrice. Okay. Who's calling her that? They both suck. <laughs> Plastique says she used to paint herself like Miss Fame, while Evie says people compare her to Naomi Smalls until they see her drag. Next, RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's mini challenge a potato sack race. I don't know. I, I can't, let me do it again. Next, RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's mini challenge, a potato sack race. But unlike other potato sack races, the objective of this potato sack race is to show off the best boobography. The girls perform their best in quick drag in what was sure to be a hit at gay bars across the world. By the way, breaking news, I have an update on that. In the yes. end, Nina West and Sugar Kane are named the winners of the challenge. Chain of the Latte Boy, any thoughts on this mini challenge? What were your thoughts on this mini challenge? Well, okay. The, the first when they all came in and were sitting around the table, this was the kind of the first time that I really sort of clocked producer goopery yeah. in this. Because, one, there was the thing of where she goes, I have a question for everybody, and everybody kind of groaned on command. Mm-hmm. And she starts the question with, there have been 126 bitches through that door before us, mm-hmm. which felt very specific yeah like why'd you know that number a fact that was fed to her Mm -hmm. like how would you know off the top of your head how many girls had been through there before Mm -hmm. so that just felt very you know we need we need for you all to do something here's a question we'll give it to silky to ask everybody Mm -hmm. um i the the baby latrice other than the fact that they're both overweight and black i don't get that at all yeah um but it also seems like when Plastique said that she used to paint like Miss Fame, that doesn't mean that people would say, oh, you're, she just yeah. maybe just looked at that as that is somebody that I used as a role model. That is somebody uh-huh. that I used as somebody that I, I liked the way they I, – I experimented in that way with fame, which makes sense age-wise age mm-hmm. for her. Um, and I totally get the Evie and Naomi Smalls thing. Yeah, like, they're both that, tall that and sense. thin uh, with that 
light skin. Yeah, that light skin, and then and uh, they, so they probably see her walk in, getting ready to do drag. They're like, oh, she's just doing a Naomi Smalls thing, and then she does her drag, and they're like, oh no, she's doing a, a dinosaur. Yeah, which Naomi <laughs> would never do. But um, and by the way, would anyone call? I think Silky is, even though she may be shorter than Latrice, is considerably larger than Latrice. She's kind of a more Madame Laqueer than yeah. than Latrice, or like. <laughs> Darian Black. <laughs> Bad joke. Okay. Um, the the mini challenge. I loved the mini challenge. The mini challenge was fun. It felt, again, going back to season four, when they did the wet t-shirt contest, um, where they had all of the queens, where they kind of hosed them down in wet t-shirts to, like, frat boys and all that kind of stuff, screaming and yelling and giving them money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was while probably will be considered by some to be misogynistic or offensive i i thought it was funny and i laughed and i thought that the two queens that won that sugar and nina should have won because they were the ones that seemed to tell a story with their breasts that the other ones were just sort of bouncing up and down and mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have things put away right so at one point silky one of her chicken cutlets kind of came flying out and a couple of them the tits were going in the wrong directions but even when sugars did that when she was kind of doing it, she was kind of punching them and, and going back and forth it was funny to watch mm-hmm. it was it was enjoyable and it also wasn't something that it wasn't like that stupid pancake challenge that they did a couple oh, seasons no. ago where it felt like it took 20 minutes of them explaining a story about a fucking pancake yeah. this was something that they did it it how long could that have possibly whole thing taken for five minutes maybe i think the longest part was putting the tape on the floor yeah <laughs> So very, very enjoyable. And the fact that I, I at one point I was concerned because I'm like, well, how is Evie going to be able to do this? So the fact that they, you know, had explained that Evie wouldn't have to hobble across on a broken foot. It was still it was still fun. Um, what's funny is on, on last night's first response, I said, oh, I meant this is a part that was not meant for the average viewer at home, but was meant for gay bars. Yeah, okay. it was meant to get a reaction at gay bars. Well, Taylor, and I don't know if you saw this in the email. We got two emails from people who went to gay bars last night, heard the first response, and wanted to give me their take. Would you like to hear those emails? I would love to hear those emails. First, we have one from a guy named David. I'm not going to say his last name, but it is so Italian. It might be. It might as well be mozzarella pepperoni. That's how Italian <laughs> it is, right? And it says, Joe, hey guy. Per your first, no one's ever called me guy. Just guy, <laughs> hey guy. Per your first look, asking if anyone was at a viewing party and how the mini challenge went, it was a big hit. Very visual and fun. Didn't have to really hear it to enjoy it. Was interesting too. Was at a smaller bar where Raja O'Hare and Kennedy Davenport alternate, but Raja was at Roscoe's. Okay, blah 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 blah. So that was that one. So it was a big uh-huh. hit at that part, that viewing party in Dallas. Then we have one from Ray, one of our uh, faithful longtime listeners. She's usually in the chat room. I don't know if she is right now. And she said, hey, Joe, I watched the episode last night at a packed gay bar in Nashville, hosted by your favorite, The Princess. Well, my favorite to mention when I mentioned random drag queens. I wanted to give you feedback on your question about the sack race. Yes, the gay men were loving the sack race. Lots of screaming and hollering. The bar also had a huge reaction to Alyssa's segment. It was pretty silent for that horrible dance challenge, though, as I suspect. I already forgot about that dance challenge. Good. So that, that should, yeah. yeah, that was not, that was, that was, that was a weak moment in a very strong episode. Yeah. 
Uh, Untucked was great at the bar, too. Usually it's pretty tame, but last night there were a lot of fans clacking and yelling for that amazing drama. Uh, okay, so thank you, Ray, and thank you uh, to uh, David and... David. Why does, well, how do you know one his last name on the air? Oh, okay. Well, then bleep that out. I'm not too lazy. Okay. But Taylor, when you get David, when you get mad, give it to Taylor, not to me. Uh, okay. I always uh, like it when the Italian guys give it to me. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> I know. Everyone should know he's he's coyly like like biting his like like wiping the cum from the corner of his mouth when he did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another, yeah. another dirty Jersey girl. <laughs> anyway, I'm uh, Ariel Versace of Afterthought Media. Yeah. You're Ariel Versace. I'm Ursula Versace of After the Media. Okay, so uh, what were they saying here? Announce this week's mini challenge. Potato salad. Okay, I mean, I had no thoughts on the mini challenge. I saw it so many times because of the first look. So it was fine to me. I was like, oh, for a gay bar, not for me. Okay, they won. Um, All right, the maxi challenge for this week's maxi challenge. The girls are asked to use all natural ingredients to create a farm to runway look. They'll be wearing the produce on the runway, even though there's denim involved to another, not just produce. Yeah. Ingredients come from the farm but must be worthy of New York Fashion Week. In the workroom, Sugarcane eats all the ingredients. Plastique thinks this might be her chance to beat Brooke. Raja wants to push the limits. Vanjie turns to Evie for approval. And Nina West fashions her outfit after an iconic RuPaul dress that RuPaul stole from Naomi Smalls. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> she stole the damn dress from Naomi Smalls from the book challenge. They look nearly identical. I don't remember that. Oh my god! Enough to... It's like Naomi wore it, and then RuPaul told Zaldi, "Make me that." Thank you. Okay. Well, th- that might be that might be a good photo collage to make for the Instagram page. It's already on there. That was one of the memes I wrote. All right, I'm going to do it. People always like when I mean to RuPaul. Okay. Um. RuPaul enters the workroom to pay some table visits and all the girls fall apart. Brooke used to be an emotional child, so she has no personality. Raja can't wait to show what she designed. Akuria wants to send Brooke home. Vanjie is done with the one-piece outfits. Silky would send home Evie because she's injured, while Evie would send home Silky because she doesn't take the judge's advice. Finally, Plastique Tiara breaks down when she reveals that her family doesn't approve of her doing drag, and RuPaul hugs her, and everyone in the room is jealous. A lot going on in these table visits. That's Taylor. that's a big chunk of the yeah, show. The right table now. visits is the table visits is the show. To be honest with you, apart from the yeah, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about. I mean, we're going to talk about other things, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I talking about the main challenge as well. We talked about I talked about in the beginning of the episode about mm-hmm. how I love the unconventional challenges, which is something they've gotten away from over the last couple of seasons, and. I, I think that while they definitely wanted you to incorporate food in some ways, it felt like it was just sort of that farm motif, which is surprising to me that we didn't see any gingham at all. Because mm-hmm. um, that is something that you sort of associate with far- with farms, much like you would with denim. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in that regards, I loved that this was something they could do. But the stuff that they brought out when they said farm to table, I was like, a lot of that looks really little. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that does not look like something you can make something out of. Like, I remember there was an episode of Project Runway mm-hmm. where they brought out a car and they said, you have to make something from the car. What? And, but there was one there, there, there was there was one car 
and there was probably like six contestants left or four contestants left or something. And they could use any piece they wanted to from the car to make a dress, but they had to use that. And they and Tim Gunn said, go. And they all ran for it. And it was like watching zombies eat a horse where they were all ripping the seat cushions out and the covers and the wheel and all the knobs and all that kind of stuff. So so I was kind of expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed to kind of see that because they didn't have burlap sitting there. They didn't have denim sitting there and they didn't have gingham and they didn't mm-hmm. have all these different things. So I was slightly disappointed that it just kind of seemed like the outfits while I loved most of the outfits that there, it wasn't quite what I was expecting for the challenge, Mm -hmm. but I did love that it was unconventional and I loved that it allowed for some really great creativity with some of the Queens. Um, what do you have any thoughts on what the, with the actual challenge itself? No, I mean, it's a design challenge. I'm like, Oh, what a cool, interesting idea for a design challenge. Yeah. I feel like done something like that before with food and stuff. Yeah, no, I think they have in the past, but this one particularly the farm to table thing. Yeah. So it was I, I I like I like the idea of the theme. I like that. Because it's also not, you know, with something like this, you don't have people not being able to read a script. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. Tadra Call saying, Well, only bitches who want a crown can dance. Yeah. You don't have that sort of thing of where Michelle has to repeat a word sixteen times to somebody because they're not getting it, right? Yeah. It was very look focused and it was very much showing, allowing the queens that have creativity to kind of step up their pussy and to actually show what they can do, that they're not just given a script or a five, six, seven, eight, that they have to actually create something on their own on the fly. That's the type of shit that I love about this show. That's the type of thing that I have always loved about this. That's why I love things like Project Runway and um and some of like the top chef and stuff where they're given you're given a box of things and you have to make something from it. But as compared to being given a being given a script. That's why I don't understand why they don't do the more of those challenges. The fans love it, the girls prepare themselves for it and like those challenges. It it's a win and also it it must be fairly easy to do because um all they have to do is get the supplies and then kind of dream up what the content is, but they don't have to build the dresses. Whereas if you do an acting challenge, you have to write a script. You have to you have to do a lot more work than you would with just bringing out a table of food and say, make something. Part of me thinks it's a lot of these writers are frustrated writers who wish they weren't writing for a reality show about drag queens. And so they're I'm going to show them I can be funny and it's horrible and not funny. So I'm going to write Shakespeare. Yeah, I'm going to write Shakespeare or what was the one that was a horrible one this season? Whatever that one. I don't know if I Trump, Trump the Rusical. Oh, that horrible thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. um or the event the she evangelical thing or but that was that was improv. But that was that was improv. That was improv. And but think about it. That was improv. That wasn't scripted. That was they all had to they they had a basic like skeleton that they had to follow and then it was a sink or swim. And of all of the episodes that we had watched prior to this one, that was probably our favorite episode, right? Yeah. So I think that having something like this, even earlier on, I mean, think about some of the queens that already left. Like, can you imagine them doing like an outfit like this? Like creating well, no, an outfit this, out of this? But this type of challenge used to be the first kind of challenge. Right. But you, but you season saw four they, was the was the dragopolis or whatever that was, where it was the they had to go to like a junkyard and, and pick and it was the um, apocalypse. I can't remember what they called it. Uh, yeah. The drag apocalypse or something. And then they had the remember the former contestants as zombies were trying to stop them from getting the, the material. Yeah, they, and they did a they did the Christmas one on season three. Yeah, um, that was when Shangela 
came then, out of the box. Episode and, five was a dumpster, wasn't it? Yeah, and they've done. Th- I mean, the first episode ever was thrift store. Yeah, the very first episode. So, I mean, they've gotten away from that. I think as they've tried to do more scripts and more musical numbers and that kind of thing. But this really kind of goes back to the old school. Show what you got. Not 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 what gowns have you brought? What five thousand mm-hmm. dollar gowns have you brought? But what's yeah. something we're going to give you the materials? Show us your creativity. Show us because I am much more interested in a creative queen than I am in than a look queen. That's my personal, that's my, you know, you have to kind of be the full package, but you know, that that's part of the reason why, even though a lot of Nina's looks have been sort of lacking this season, I, I'm always excited to see what she's going to wear because you know, it's something that she created herself or was created under her idea, that kind of stuff versus some of the pageant Queens that just buy these beautiful, and the gowns are beautiful, but it's where that's, off the rack. I know it's not probably something they picked up at a Nordstrom's, but I mean it's it's an off the rack type look compared to something that is constructed and and interesting to look at. Um okay, so moving on, what were your thoughts on RuPaul's table visits? This was probably the best RuPaul has done at table visits in a while. We've talked about in previous seasons that she gets very in her own head that she wants to be a therapist, mm-hmm. and I thought that she limited that to um she 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 held that back a little bit which i was glad to see but she also still was able to get information out of but particularly the ones that come to mind are brooke and plastique that i think helped us to kind of love brooke and plastique a little bit more or at the very least understand why they are the way they are Mm -hmm. well um but you know i got a message saying uh you know they, they, this person was really moved by the plastic table visit, and he he this guy knew I was gonna shit all over it, and you were was gonna sh- you were gonna shit all over it, and then it moved him to tears. I have thoughts on it, but did you have any other thoughts besides that you liked RuPaul well, talking to plastic? I, I the the Brooke thing. Okay, well let's talk about because there was Brooke and there was plastic, and then there was Silky, which was sort of like okay, um, Brooke. You know, one thing that has been talked about a lot this season by us and by other, you know, people on Reddit, Mm -hmm. people on the show, that she is super polished and she almost comes off as perfect. She's perfect with her look. She's perfect with her walk. She's perfect with her with her makeup. She's all these different things. And and people are equating perfect with no personality. And I think the conversation of where you see people that where she was talking about, I used to be very emotional I don't allow myself to feel that. And as, as she was talking about it, she started to tear up and she started to allow herself to kind of feel some of the feelings. It, I, I get that to a degree. I, I get what that is, must be like for her to kind of feel like I have this amazing body. I have this amazing talent. I have this amazing beauty and everything like that. And everybody kind of focuses on that I don't want to show the ugly sides. I don't want to show the emotion because it could eventually where pe- people won't think of me on the level that they think of me now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a pageant girl. I'm a, what she's Miss continental or something. Yeah, where, I mean, it's where she, she's like, she's from what they're the way they were all talking about her. She's kind of the cream of the crop. Yeah. So as far as pageants go and they were all a little, you know, dismayed when she came walking in. So it makes sense that, 
she wants to keep everybody. That's almost a defense mechanism. If I, if I stay at this level, then everybody is going to be a little scared of me and they're not going to necessarily fuck with me because they don't want to fuck with perfection, but you can only stay there at that level for so long. I used to do hospice care and my territory for work was such that I had a lot of very blue collar people that a lot, I would go into a lot of trailer parks and a lot of like low income housing, that kind of stuff. But I also live on the West coast of Florida. Mm -hmm. So part of my territory was also the big McMansions out on the beach. Mm -hmm. And I used to say all the time, because people talk about, well, how do you deal with going to trailer parks? I'm like, I will take, Blue collar folks over the over the people in the mansions any day of the week because blue collar folks and people that live in trailer parks are like they kind of put everything out on the table and it is very easy for them to kind of share emotions and say what they're thinking and all that kind of stuff, you know, and part of my job is to help people through this grieving process. You try to do that with people sometimes in the in the McMansions and the higher income people. Well, they they have their secrets and everything has to look perfect and everything has to be at this level. But you can watch while they're going through this trauma, while they're going through this physical and emotional exhaustion, you can watch the cracks in the marble. You can watch the cracks as it's as it's happening. And I felt like we were kind of starting to see that a little bit, I think, with Brooke, where Brooke is recognizing she can't stay at this level the whole time. Um, does that all make sense? Yeah, what's funny is I I just thought the Brooke thing seemed very contrived. That that was just her her pat answer for <laughs> I I I don't show emotion. She's, she's like, but what if I cry a little bit to say I don't show emotion? I just think she has no personality. <laughs> but you're the okay. clinician. I'm not. But what about plastique? Plastiques plastiques felt okay. Though there is some controversy from an untucked plastiques felt genuine. Plastiques felt. You know, Rue was really good at asking the question because she did it in a way where she there wasn't this big dramatic. Yeah, I'm not buying it with like Pearl is there something on my face kind of thing Mm -hmm. where she was talking to Pearl. And then she which which this is something that I have done with clients before where we're kind of talking about something very innocuous or we're saying something and I'll say, wow, I guess that really sucks, doesn't it? And just say it like that. And you can watch people turn on a dime and. I said that that was very like I didn't get specific with that for obvious reasons. So and you kind of watched that it kind of took Plastique back a little bit. And the reason that I feel like that was more dramatic, more dramatic, more authentic than maybe Brooks was, is that if you watched her body language where her body language changed, where at one point she literally took two steps back and started to shake her head like, I can't talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Please don't make me talk about this sort of thing. Um, then she kind of decided to talk about the things that are going on, but it felt, you know, that's something that we have not really seen again, while there have been lots of times where people don't know that I do the show or people don't, uh, don't approve of it, that kind of stuff. There hasn't really been that side of talking about the coming out process, whether it's being, you know, LGBT or being a drag queen or anything about the feeling of guilt or the feeling of shame that people still feel after they go through and they don't feel as though that they have met the levels that their parents or family expect them to be at. Um, so in that regards, it was interesting. It was very interesting to hear her talk about that and talk about it in a way that was, I thought, very eloquent, very beautiful, very easy to understand, very recognizable for many of us. I mean, that would, I think any of us who have come out 
there has been a time or there may still be a time in which we have thought, you know, I remember like part of the reason that I didn't come out to my dad until I was in my mid twenties was because I was worried about college and I was worried about whether or not he would continue paying for my college for me. And I didn't want to be a disappointment to him where he felt as though I was not worth the work and worth the effort. So there was definite, even though I was living my life and I was down here in Florida, I was very much, there was always, there was this low grade level of shame that I went through, particularly in my twenties. Um, so I, I, I got it. I got it. The, the RuPaul hugging her. I can see where that could definitely have been contrived and definitely they did stuff where they put, you know, the music swelled and, and that, but I have a feeling that it was also a situation in which it felt, it felt genuine enough. And there was enough of a resonance. I hear the music. You're an asshole. Um, that it other people in the room responded to that. And we don't normally see that when they're having the the moments like that, when they're having the table visits from Rue. You know, I know that Nini, Nina and uh, Evie both definitely seem to be a little tearful, like listening to their story, listening to her story. And it just, it felt like it was, if it contrived or otherwise, it clearly had residence for the majority of the people or for many people who watch the show. And it seems like it's something where it, it had, it had heart to it. I don't doubt, uh, plastic sincerity as you'll hear me, uh, discuss at length when we break down untucked, but with RuPaul, I felt that her excitement at the television that Plastique was making was palpable. Now, I I did feel that the moment when RuPaul said, I'm your mommy and we're your family, no, you're home or whatever. I think it's a beautiful thing to do to that person in that moment. But, and I hope you agree with this, the weight of what someone like RuPaul is telling someone who is young and vulnerable, especially at that moment as Plastique, means if you're going to say something like that, you have to back it up. And, I agree with that 150%. And and I think that puts RuPaul in a position that RuPaul has famously, famously said she doesn't want to be in. RuPaul has yeah. no interest in playing that role once the... See, if, if, if this was a person who, you know, once they got off the show, she continued a relationship with them that was nurturing then i would be like oh that's awesome that rupaul did it but once plastique walks out the door you know whether on the last episode unless plastique wins yeah rupaul wants little to nothing to do with her and i'll be surprised if she remembers her name two years from now it It would have had much more emotional uh, uh, emotional effect or whatever if rupaul said nothing yeah if rupaul just walked over and hugged her and said nothing that would have that would have meant from a you know this is a weird to say because we were talking about from a clinical standpoint that would have been so much greater because you're right what you're doing is you're she wasn't when she said i'm your mother i'm your mother i'm your mom now i'm your mother now and i think she wasn't talking to Plastique. She was talking to the cameras. Yeah. 
She was she was doing that for the cameras. And I think that that made that part of it, maybe that's why there was kind of a part of me that would felt a little disingenuous. Mm-hmm. If it had been where she just walked over and was having, you know, even though all of this craziness is going on with people designing dresses and stuff like that, but to come to her and just hug her and just, you know, you know, I, I have learned that sometimes in therapy, and I know it wasn't a therapy session, but in th- the best thing I can say is nothing. And it has been very hard for me to sometimes to learn to shut the fuck up after somebody tells me something that is very, you know, because you have, you have that moment of where you're uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable, and you feel like you have to fill the space and you have to feel, fill the, fill the, the void of what has been created in this room. And I think sometimes just allowing somebody to sit with their thoughts or sit with their feelings or sit with these statements that they've just made out in the world for possibly the first time, the right, in my opinion, the right thing to have done is to just allowed plastique to do that and to support her through a hug. I think that that makes that made, that would have made more sense to me. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's go on to let's, let's brighten things up. Uh, the after the break, the girls walk out onto the main stage to find Alyssa Edwards waiting for them. She has each of them walk down the runway so that she can critique their runway walk and to give advice on how to make a better presentation. Vanjie walks too fast, and Brooke needs to show more personality. Evie throws shade at Silky under her breath, while Alyssa's drag daughter Plastique Tiara is having a moment with her mother. Alyssa then surprises the girls by telling them that they're going to have to learn a dance as RuPaul's pumpkin pies. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on this Alyssa Edwards segment? We have, I have notoriously not been an Alyssa Edwards fan. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed her. Yeah. I, I, I thought she was, she wasn't as crazy as she has been in the past. She wasn't as, and I get that Alyssa Edwards equals extra. I get that, but it could have been a capital E and she was maybe a lower Casey. Mm-hmm. So she, she gave great advice uh she get, she gave great input everything she said made sense um she was and i think that she uh, one of the things that i loved about all of this was that you know this is the difference i think okay i i just i just had an aha moment aha moment here i just had an aha moment okay and this goes back to the two choreographers yanis and travis mm-hmm. and Alyssa. yeah when they are there they are trying to get the queens to shine when Todrick is there, Todrick is trying to shine. Oh, so yes. I think that one of the great things about this visit with Alyssa was Alyssa recognizes it wasn't about her. Yes, everybody loves seeing her, and it was a great moment for Plastique, but it was very much a, I, I have a job, and my job is to make you look as good as possible. And if I'm too busy doing the back, back, back again and tongue pops, then I'm not doing my job because I'm focusing the cameras on me. Mm-hmm. I want to focus. The, I want the cameras to focus on you. I want the cameras to love you. And I want the cameras to, for, to get the best angles. And that is why I enjoyed this segment of Alyssa Edwards. Thank you. Uh, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder if she learned a lot because this would have taken place very soon after she finished filming her reality show, Dancing Queen. And maybe so. I'm wondering if this is she's taken some of the knowledge that she's learned from that and, and, and applied it here, even though she wasn't all stars. Didn't she choreograph something for all stars? Four. Mm, I don't remember if she did or not. I feel like she was on. I want to say she was on a season, season ten. 
at oh, one the point. season 10. Oh, okay. So Cause wasn't season 10 was, wasn't that when she did the one where Eureka was worried about popping her leg, popping her kneecap out uh, again. I don't remember. I don't remember. But okay. that, if it was season 10, that would have been before she filmed the reality show. Yeah. Some, somebody in the chat will remember the last time Alyssa was on the runway giving uh tutelage. She choreographed something. All right. Yeah. It's elimination day and the girls are getting ready for the runway. Silky's hair gives her problems. Akaria doesn't have much to work with for the challenge. Raja is angry because Plastique used up all the tree bark, so she switched her outfit to burlap. Raja walks over to the other girls and throws shade at them, and Evie comes for Silky. Yet again, Taylor, your thoughts on this elimination day. The, the thing with why are you taking all of my stuff from Raja talking about Plastique, just, again, petty. Petty LaBelle, I, I don't get the I, – I, unless there was something where she had all of her stuff sitting in front of her mannequin mm-hmm. and then Plastique walked over and grabbed it, that's completely different. But again, there are cameras everywhere. A camera would have picked that up. Well, Plastique has addressed this on Twitter. Okay. And she said that she uh, – Raja – oh, my gosh. and I, want, I can't remember who the third person is. I want to say it's Nina or – Nina sounds right. I could be wrong, but it's a third person is Nina or Brooke or someone like that also got the tree bark. Okay. Uh huh. And that everything that Roger says is true. That basically, but basically they were sharing a table. And so Plastique was making her dress and she accidentally grabbed three parts of Raja's tree bark. But there, as soon as Raja pointed out, she apologized profusely, removed the tree bark and gave it back to Raja. And that if it was Nina or Brooke or whoever it was, wasn't going to use their tree bark, so gave it to Plastique. So Plastique's tree bark was actually from this other person. Uh, okay, Roger, well, then that's shady on the producer's part to make it... Well, Roger, well, still, like, Roger was still bringing it up, and Roger yeah. still said it. You know? Yeah. So uh, she's still hard-pressed about it. She changed her outfit and everything like that. It just sounded like there were excuses. But, um, but yeah, so, and, and so she's really upset in the moment. But, no, but Raja knows the truth. Raja's right there, and she's bitching to Carrie about it. Well, I, it's just, we, we, we've talked extensively about Raja, and I'm glad that we don't have to talk about Raja anymore. There's also – okay, but, but that being said, I want to say something about Raja mm-hmm. that I will save for when we talked about Untucked. All right, very good. I don't know if I really gave my opinion on the Alyssa Edwards thing, but on the Alyssa Edwards thing, it was fine. It was fun. Again, the moment was only des- almost designed for a gay bar. It was great. She Alyssa gives great runway. Uh, no one better to probably teach how to do runway than Alyssa. She did a good job. She injected herself just the right. It was just the right amount of Aly- Alyssa. Good use of Alyssa. Yes. All right. Uh, anything else on the elimination day, Taylor? No. All right. Very good. Well, if you enjoy this show, you might want to think about supporting it to help us keep the lights on. How can you do this? Join us over at Patreon.com. There, if you sign up at the $3 Eat It level, you receive a brand new podcast in your own personal feed six out of seven days of the week. I'll be honest with you. I think it might be seven. You you know what? That implies that there's only six shows. I actually did the math. There's actually seven shows a week, Taylor. You must love that. On top of that... (laughs) You get access to live recordings and bonus content. So much. Like, do you ever hear we're referring to a chat room? Yeah, those are all Patreon people. We tell yeah. them when we're going to be live on the air. And there's always, there's going to be bonus content today. People are going to get a bonus episode where Taylor and I are going to take the entire Untucked fight. Not all of Untucked will be here for four years, but just the fight. <laughs> 
and we are going to break it down beat by beat and analyze it. It's going to be great. That's bonus content for Patreon people. For instance, this episode you're listening to now is actually about 20 minutes longer for our Patreon supporters. Not only that, they get the episode commercial free. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to patreon.com slash drag race recap and sign up at the $3 level to get all this and more. That's patreon.com slash drag race recap. We'll be back right after this. All right, Taylor. Well, now it's time for the looks. The looks. The looks. All right. So are we going top three and bottom three? Is that my understanding? I already have we've... my scores right here with the top three and bottom three. Because we make this for pit crew. So the boys will later this afternoon when I record it with them, we, they do uh, their own scores. Okay. Take notes. All right. So let's talk about the top three. Um, doing this kind of from memory, though I have the right of page up. The first one was Evie Oddly, who wore a dress that was looked like it was made of various small dried flowers. Um, lavender, Heather uh, either dyed or she found colors that went together, very autumnal colors. But even though there was bursts of, uh, I want to say there was like a bright hot pink occasionally, especially, especially on a breastplate. Um, she had a short red finger wave hair, Definitely up the glam. Beautiful. She looked absolutely amazing. I'm going to give this look on a zero to 10. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this look a 10. This was a 10 for me. Yes. This might've been my first 10 of the season. She looked great. She looked really good, but I gave her an eight. Okay. An eight, Taylor. An eight from Joe. All right, go on. So next up was Brooklyn Heights, who had on a very flowy, uh, Moomoo-esque denim dress Mm -hmm. that was accentuated by dried oranges. Mm -hmm. Uh, She made earrings out of the dry orange. She had little streaks of orange in her hair. She And then she showed some ass at the end, which was always nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, She looked beautiful. The dress was super well executed. I loved the use of the orange. It looked like something you could buy at a store, though. Is that good or bad, though? What? Is that good or bad for you? That could be good. It's kind of, it's, I mean, it's good in that it's like if they were doing something where, you know, they occasionally on Project Runway would have dresses where they would have to create a dress that would be sold at Macy's or would be yeah. sold at Lord and Taylor, that kind of stuff. If this was the kind of thing, then yeah, I would say absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt a little more anybody could wear this mm-hmm. versus something that kind of has that drag aesthetic. That being said, I thought it was, I thought it was beautiful and I would give this look a, I would give this look a nine. Brooklyn Heights. I gave it a seven. So okay. I, I seem to be two below you today. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So next up was plastic tiara mm-hmm. who had apparently used bark at some point yeah. and had a very ornate headdress uh, with flowers and stuff. Um, she looked great. The look was very polished for it being unconventional. It felt like it was another bodysuit that looked similar to the one that I guess Cardi B wore, the the orange butterfly outfit okay. that she had on. So it kind of almost looked at the exact same silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um she looked great. She did she looked amazing. Um I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this one an eight. Uh, I'll give it an eight. Oh, I gave it a seven. Okay. Yeah, my problem. Right. I liked. I loved everything. I think I would have loved it better if she had. I didn't like those tights and the stone no, tights. If it had been some sort of skirt, 
If yeah. it had been, and not a skirt where she shows legs, but something where maybe if she showed one leg where it was almost like a gown, but the top half, where the, the bottom half was fabric, but the top half was all all that ornateness, then I think that would have put it over the top even more. Mm-hmm. But because it was just sort of this bodysuit that we've seen her wear almost every single time. Yeah. That that t- that took away from me. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the of the stoned tights. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the top three looks, and it seems like we were pretty close there. You know, yeah. they were high. What, what yeah. were your bottom three, or what were the bottom three, Taylor? So the bottom three looks were Raja, who I didn't realize what I didn't like about it until Michelle said, "I'm getting very Groot." Oh, okay. And that was very much the where it just kind of looked like stuff all mashed together. Mm-hmm. That being said, even though I'm not a fan of Raja, I thought that the the bright green eyelashes, the ends of the eyelashes and the little bits of green against her beautiful, that dark brown skin, it really made the, the bright green pop. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed her face, not the stupid thing she had on her head, mm-hmm. not the stupid ponytail, but the, the, the actual the mug was good and for that i will give i will give her a five but only because of the face really she was my worst look i gave her a two i did say so maybe i should change to like a three from the waist up i thought she looked good but the waist down i thought she looked horrible those pants were the pants were horrible 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 when she said i'm gonna make pants from burlap i sort of was like oh that's not a good idea no so, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, you didn't cut me off at all. Who's next? Next up is Akira Davenport. Akira Chanel Davenport, mm-hmm. who came out looking very, very Dominique Devereaux from Dynasty, <laughs> okay. with the with the big flowy with the big shoulder pads and the big the big you know top that was sort of a like a smock kind of poncho uh-huh. with skirt. I think the idea, if the idea had been executed. It could have been a great look. I know that she had talked about she wanted to do something with burlap, um, not with burlap, or she wanted to dye burlap, which again, not a good idea. Burlap is not known for its, uh, unless it's holding, you know, feed that's it's okay if shit falls out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not necessarily a good a good idea. So, but she kind of tried to incorporate some of the peacock with the with the navy blue and the bright green and that kind of stuff. I will say through the entire thing, Akira just looked pissed. From the minute she came out on the runaway to even when she won the, the lip sync, she just looked pissed the whole time. She always looked and pissed. Was, well, she always kind of looks just sort of slightly annoyed. She looked mad a couple of times, especially even in Untucked, just kind of sitting around. She just looked fucking mad. So I, I was, it, it's, as far as rating it, was zero to 10. I'll give, uh, you know what? I want to, I want to change one of my scores. I'm going to give Raja a four and Akira a five. To me, Raja looks like the evil version of Miles Morales. Grown up. Okay. Miles Morales, by the way, is like the alternate universe Spider-Man. What do they call him? No, I know, who, I know who Miles Morales is. But the, but the audience might not. <laughs> I saw the Shazam this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I thought about you. We'll, we'll talk about it off the air with the Zachary Levi. I know you love a, a dark oh, guy God. with hairy legs. So, so cute. So cute. Anything he wanted to. And yes, I would let him pee on me. Would you? T- 
I, I, I can't. We can't. We'll go I, off, I, off, I knew I'd off, get yeah. you. I knew no, I'd no, get no, you. no, no, no. You, the one I have for you, I can't say it in the air. Okay, I'll keep it. I'll say it. I'll say it off the show. It doesn't get published, but I won't say it on here. All right. Who's your third person there, Taylor? <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> I know where you're going with the other thing. Okay. Um, Nina West. Oh, it's right. My, yeah. my, my, my drag race boyfriend, Nina West. Um, Nina came out in an outfit completely made of corn that was inspired by Naomi Smalls, who inspired RuPaul, apparently. Yeah. Um, I thought Nina, from the again from the waist up, Nina looked great. I loved Nina's makeup with the with the gradient purple wig mm-hmm. and the black lipstick or the dark mm-hmm. purple lipstick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the top. The bottom did look unfinished. And she was doing this weird walk. Mm-hmm. She was doing this weird duck walk on the runway that I didn't quite understand. But now I'm wondering if it was just that the materials weren't moving enough to allow her to do what do what she needed to do. Um, but I will give this look a six. All right. Very good. Uh, for Nina West, I gave her, let me look at my list here, a four. Okay. I gave Nina West a four. I did not like the look, which I thought it looked kind of like sloppy and, and mashed up together. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. sorry, Taylor. And That's okay. Boyfriend. I know it's your She's boyfriend. She's still my boyfriend. Now, that being said, when Nina was on during, del- during the judges panel, mm-hmm. Nina kept making these weird faces, which I think the dark lipstick only extended where she was kind of sneering mm-hmm. the whole time. Where she was, she was a little too animated. Mm-hmm. It was a little too taking away from what she was trying to do, mm-hmm. and I, I did not necessarily like that. All right, everyone should know Taylor's distracted. I sent him uh, Naomi Smalls's book ball dress, and so he's oh, looking at her right yeah. now. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then the next season, the next season, the look that she did for season nine, because Naomi Smalls season eight, all of a sudden was that look. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even with even with the long blonde hair, the long straight blonde hair. Yeah. Not cool, RuPaul. Not cool, RuPaul. All right. So okay. So uh, Nina West. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the looks for me. And, and I want to hear yours. My top three matched the judges: Evie, Brooke, and Plastique. But my bottom three were Raja, Vanji, and Akuria. Vanji was in the bottom three for me. Vanji, Vanji should have been. It should have been Vanji instead of Nina for bottom three. And you could have probably made an argument for me with Silky too. See, and I kind of I liked what Silky was trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just again, it comes down to execution of if that had, if those because she used candy and beans, I guess mm-hmm. if she had had the time. To like real plus she also it takes her a while to if she were to do beadwork with all of those beans because of how much she would have had to have cover mm-hmm. because of her size. Yeah. That could have been an amazing that could have been an amazing look, but it it looked unpolished. It definitely looked unpolished. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else to say about the looks, Taylor? Any other looks you wanted to point out? Any? Um, there better not be three other looks. I swear to no, God. The only, the only person we haven't talked about was Sugarcane. And I saw something on Reddit where somebody said she looked like uh, Effie Trinket from The Hunger Games. And I could see that. Oh, yes. I could see that now that you say that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Well, that, everyone, is... The looks. The looks. All right. Very good. Over on the main stage, RuPaul sends Sugar, Silky, and Vanjie back to the lounge because they're safe. 
Evie, Brooke, and Plastique are in the top, while Raja, Akuria, and Nina are in the bottom. After the deliberations, RuPaul names Plastique Tiara as the winner of the challenge, while Akaria and Raja O'Hara are forced to go head-to-head in a lip-sync battle for their lives. The song? Strut by Sheena Easton. In the end, a self-labeled lip-sync assassin is assassinated by Akaria Davenport and asked to sashay away. Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? Then we'll do a, 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 a talk about Untucked. But any final thoughts on that part of the episode? There are songs... Yeah. In the universe of Taylor. Sure. That Taylor will probably kill himself one day when he slips in the shower and breaks his neck and his husband comes home eight hours later and finds him dead in a tub full of water. This turned very dark. (laughs) Struts Sheena Easton is one of those songs. As soon as it started playing, I got so excited. (laughs) Was sitting, doing chairography, lip syncing and moving my hands and everything. And you knew within the first couple of seconds that Akira was going to get it, which goes to my conspiracy theory. Oh, here it comes. From, okay. I think the reason that Rue picked Nina and Akira to be in the bottom two against Raja is similar to what she expected to happen between Nina Bonina and Valentina. Okay. And that I think she realized I need someone who is going to blow this bitch out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> and given. Of of the bottom contenders, I feel like my best chance of somebody not fucking this up is going to be Akira or Nina. And then kind of watching watching the anger in Akira, I think she figured that she's the one to take out Raja. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was very much a um, – what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, – oh, my God. What's the word? I don't know. Calculated. That oh, was okay. very calculated on Rue's part to pit Raja on, against On Rue's part? On Rue's part. Oh, okay. So, curious. What are, what are your thoughts? You're, are you a curious? Oh, my I'm a curious are? as oh, to my... what your thoughts are there. Um, I thought the lip sync was okay. I will say, man, again, once again, Raja, I gotta say it. I gotta pull this clip now. Tamar, do you watch the show? That bitch removed her wig. Yeah. And you saw Rue give her the look. Like, yeah. oh, bitch, what are you doing? Removed her motherfucking wig. Right? And I was like, oh, God. I think she was going to go home anyway. She just gave, she just, that, that wig, that long braided uh, tail was the noose she hung herself with. She's basically yeah. handed it to RuPaul. <laughs> but there was blue in that, too, which I thought was really weird. It wasn't just green. There was blue in there, Oh, too. was there? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I found I, the, the Sheena Easton song uh, does nothing for me. So I was just like, meh. And I was just watching it. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I don't know. No, it's it, very little gay boy 1983. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you have an older sister? Like, how did you find this music? I think my, my mother was my first fag hag. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Without knowing it. When I look back at TV shows that we watched – and music that my my mother very much loved pop music, mm-hmm. so a lot of that in the car was very much that mindset. Um, and I remember watching when I was home with her, watching TV shows that like whenever Richard Simmons was on, like we would see shows with Richard Simmons when he guested on things or when he was on talk shows. Or she loved Too Close for Comfort, which had Jim J. Bullock and there have been other things. I remember distinctly at one point. 
my mother explaining to my sister and I what gay was, what mm-hmm. gay meant. And, and it was you. and she just pointed at me. Yeah. Have a good day at school. Handed me a yeah. handed me a brown paper bag, smacked me on the ass and sent me on my way in my, you know, stripper heels. Um to third grade. And I just remember it wasn't a judgmental state. It was just a well, gay means when two men or two women like each other, like boys and girls usually like each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how it came up. Like, it, I remember sitting at breakfast one morning, like eating my Cocoa Krispies and something coming up about Richard Simmons or something, somebody gay that was on TV. I think mm-hmm. the one who was the one that used to throw confetti all the time, the old queen. Rip uh, Taylor. Rip Taylor. Yeah. So I think because that, that was always something whenever he was on or Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares. My mother always yeah. thought he was funny or Charles knows that. So pretty much all these old queens mm-hmm. from the 70s. I was immersed in that world just because my mother always now my mother might have been laughing at them because they were big faggots. But she it was something where I got to witness that and as well as listening to all of that 80s just mm-hmm. over <laughs> developed big hair, big shoulder pads, just mm-hmm. that kind of pop world. So I think that's why I am so in love with that time frame. Mm hmm. So I have a question for you. What were your thoughts on the guest judges? I have no real thoughts. I had to think for a second who the, the guest judges were. I forgot was, that they, they were not. It was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised though. Cause I know the, I think I don't watch real housewives of Atlanta, but I think she's the one that wrote a bunch of like, she wrote no scrubs and she wrote a bunch of songs for various uh, R&B artist. So I'm a little surprised that they didn't use one of her songs mm-hmm. as lip sync. But um, Amber Valletta, she's, isn't she like a supermodel? Or she was a model I at one point? I have or no something? idea who that is. I, yeah, like, I, I know just, who this person is. I well, this, this, is, this is where we're old. Because yeah. we don't know who these people are. I know Candy Burris is on Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I don't know if she wrote No Scrubs. No, I'm almost positive she wrote... Or she, I know she wrote at least a couple of TLC songs. Well, if that's the case, it's going to be really awkward in a couple of episodes. Okay, very good. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on um, this uh, Untucked? Oh, no thoughts? All right, very good. Well, that concludes this week. No, Untucked, what did you think? You know, we're going to break it down in a bit for the Patreon people, but just in general, what were your thoughts on Untucked? Well, my my thoughts were as soon as it started, and you mentioned this on first thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you sent me this thing going like, you know, hey, I'm going to start on the script, and within the first like two, I'm like, yeah. oh shit, he's got to watch this because yeah. this is going to get messy real fast. Yeah, and it felt, I I honestly, it's one of these episodes. I can't really tell you what happened, even though I can tell you everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Like I know that people fought. I yeah. know that people well, you know, accuse people of things, yeah, and yeah, I know yeah. that Brooklyn kind of sat in the middle of it, just yeah. kind of staring and just yeah. drinking cocktails. Yeah. yeah. So I've watched it a few times, and so I can give you the big beat. It starts off, which I think this is important, even though it's not part of the main story, is when Silky, Vanjie, and Sugar are backstage. Silky's going off about how she thinks Plastique's going to go home, and is mad shit talking Plastique. When she's not there. Plastic right. or Evie? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Evie. You're right. Yeah. She's she's mad shit talking Evie. How she thinks Evie's going to go home. Evie's clearly in the bottom two. Blah, 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 blah. 
And talk about cog- in other words, talk about cognitive dissonance. Even yes. though like um, Vanessa says, well, actually, or is it Sugar? That's like she's been doing really, really well. Yes. And it's just that's what Scarlet. I mean, that's what Silky wanted the reality to be. So that's what the reality yes. is, you know. Yes. And so, uh, and then so when Evie comes back there, uh, they just start talking, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Evie says she thinks it's kind of shitty what Silky said to RuPaul in the workroom, and uh, then they just go at it. Then so Silky and Evie go at it about that, where Silky's like, "We don't need to be friends," and Evie's like, "I'm not your friend." And then Vanessa jumps in to defend, to kind of, I think, I think Vanessa initially jumps in just to defuse the situation. But then they're fighting and going back at it. And then Raja comes in. And this is what's really strange is then Raja's like, hold on, y'all. <laughs> You're all fighting. I'm the one that should be mad. No one paid attention to me. And now I'm going to go out there and have to lip sync for my life. So you guys better shut up. And I brings it back on her. And so then all of a sudden, the attention's on her, and then she gets in with Plastique. So let's talk now, about the Silky and Evie stuff first. What's your hot take, uh, just on, in general, on Evie and Silky, their mess, their messy situation? What's funny is, here's the deal. It's, I feel very, very... I mean, Taylor, what's your take? Oh, really? Let me tell you my thoughts. <laughs> is uh, if you actually boil it down to it, Evie was starting shit, and essentially, I think Evie was taking two situations and blowing them out of proportion. Maybe she had more of a beef with Silky, but when it happens later with Vanessa, I think she's doing a stretch. That said, yeah. I'm still on Evie's side in this. I'm still, I, I agree. I'm still I, I agree with that. Go ahead. No. I, I think that it she... One, she fights better than Silky does. Yes. <laughs> she was very quick with some of the boom, boom, boom. And it is definitely starting starting with the whole thing with Silky, where she's like, well, clearly Evie's going to be in the bottom three. And you see the other two sort of look at each other like, what planet is this yeah. bitch on? Because this that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, but but again, it goes to that. That's what I want the reality to be. So if I say it, if I put it out there, then that's what's going to happen. Much like I know America's going to love me. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. I am the lip sync assassin. I'm putting it out there. So that is that is what reality is going to think. And that's what reality is going to happen. We've proven that's not the point. It's clear that from during the table reads when Silky says, I think that Evie should go home because of her injury. That Evie was not going to let that go. And I think that this was recognizing it makes good television to bring this up now because it's a whole new episode tomorrow. There's no reason to talk about shit if we can't bring it up now. And I've also seen that you've talked about the fact that they think that at some point the producers brought everybody aside and said, you guys need to step up the drama. So I almost feel like part of this was a reaction to that, mm-hmm. maybe, behind they had, the scenes. They had Don't to know talk. for sure. You that know what makes might- sense? You know what makes sense now that you say this? I'll bet you... Because that would make no sense for the producer. By the way, I'm being silky here and willing this to be true. Mm-hmm. It would make no sense for the producer if the if the girls legitimately get along to say like, "Well, you guys aren't fighting. You don't be season seven, right?" Mm-hmm. But what if off camera they were having it out? They were getting having it out, but when the cameras would go on, they would not make nice. Yeah, and the producer said like, "No, no, 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 don't do this yeah. shit when it's not on camera." 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to fight, have it on camera. Sorry, go well, ahead. Okay, but it's also my understanding just from listening to another a podcast whose name we're not going to say um, is that once the cameras are up, because, well, because it's race chasers and I don't, oh, I don't care, you know. Okay, <laughs> that they that they pretty much when the cameras are turned off for a reason, everyone is to not talk. So I thought that if they were kind of kept yeah, away I, from each other. I'm wondering if that's loosened up because we're hearing more and more in Untucked or in the episodes that they are talking off camera. Or that they have time together when they're not on camera. Like, for instance... Um, Brangie. Pe- I mean... Vange, uh, uh, Peppermint saying that they had days of rehearsal for the cheerleading thing. Or that... Uh, 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 not Aquaria. Ariel said, alluded to that, too. That they had days of rehearsal when they were on the weekend. Yeah. With the choreographer. So I, I'm thinking they're having more and more time together. But go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um I think we're in so the. It, I think when they're in the workroom, when they change a battery, or something like that. I think when the cameras go off in the workroom, they're not to talk. There's a, a, okay. there's a thing that they say, like, okay, yeah. So, so ultimately, I think Evie was trying to bring up a very specific point, and she was trying to make a point. Whereas I feel like Silky, you know, the one thing that was really kind of bothering, you know, America's America's going to love me. We won't be friends. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and just, I don't know what I did. I've just, you know, I just made mm-hmm. a little statement. I'm just a little wee girl and now I'm being attacked, but yet we're not going to let Evie get the last word in mm-hmm. because that, it was, it turned into where you kind of looked at it as a, who's going to say the last thing, who's going to get yeah. the last word. In? And they were both going, you know, claw for claw at one another. One would say something, the other would respond and that mm-hmm. the other person would respond. And the other person would respond. Yeah. It was very much a just layers and layers and layers. Um, that on top of Sasha Valor was safe the whole time. Well, Sasha Valor had talent. That might have been one of my favorite statements in, in the fight. Yeah. I thought that was that was pretty good. And and I again, the bitch, I will dance circles around you if we ever have to lip sync against each other. I think I think we're gonna see that. We have to see that at some point in the in the future. Now, uh, okay, so we have that fight. We're going to break this down in detail, Taylor, so don't worry. You're going to get your, your say in here. Then we have uh, Raja going after Plastique. Uh, Plastique gets a video, and her boyfriend comes in and says, Hey, Plastique, you know, and you know, all your friends are supporting you. And I've actually watched this several times, too. He mm-hmm. says, I know your family's going to support you. I know you've had it. Like, in other words, if anyone listened to it and actually listened, it didn't. It didn't go against anything Plastique had said in the workroom. But right. I think Akurio heard what she wanted to hear, and then she goes and reports to Raja, who then Raja go and Raja does that thing that people who have nothing that they don't know what they're talking about, but she wants to be mad at Plastique. Goes and says uh-huh. like, and Plastique says, "Well, what did I? What did he say?" And he goes, "I'm not. I I, I can't get into that right now." <laughs> I can't. We. That's not. That's not what this is about. The point is that you said, "What's the truth?" I don't know what the truth is, and yada yada yada. But what were your? What was your take on Raja v. Plastique? Raja was. It was just super ugly for her to come over and go. It's clear they love you. It's clear you're top four. You got three visits this week. Mm-hmm. You got a visit from Rue. You got a visit from Alyssa. You got a visit from your boyfriend on a video. It's clear you're not going anywhere. I thought was. A shitty because again, you know, I you know, I I was you took away my moment, but also the way Plastique handled it was just weird. It felt very I don't know what to say because at one point you thought did 
did Plastique just get caught in a lie? So she's trying to distract like last week with the wigs where she just kept going, sis, sis, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Sort of thing. I've seen some descriptions on Reddit. Oh, getting kind of like we're talking shit about Silky. Go ahead. Sorry. Talking shit about Silky and just kind of saying everything, but like not like not getting her story right. There was sort of a slight shade of that, but it wasn't to the degree that it was last time. So that's when you start to see the Brooke think of she goes where she goes. I don't understand. So plastique is comforting Raja for being mad at plus. I don't understand what's happening. Can somebody please explain what the fuck was happening? That was that that was genius that she just had this look at her face like I don't know what's going on. I, I I think that Raja was just in complete meltdown mode at that point. And Raja was looking for something or anything else to be mad about, anything else to distract from the fact that she was having a meltdown, but she did it in such a poor way that it it just the the, the attention that it gave to her instead of plastique was not good. Mm-hmm. And something else that I thought was interesting about this was when Vanessa and Evie have their big blow up. Okay, well, let's go to that now. Okay, well, no, because this this actually oh. speaks to the plastic thing. They kept showing Plastique's face where Plastique had that look on her face like, what the fuck is happening? She was standing in the back with Raja and Akira while they were lip sync, while they were practicing for the lip sync. So I'm surprised that they did not show any of that in like, like if there was some sort of discussion or some sort of apology or some sort of reconciliation, that that was not part of this episode. I mean, this untucked was chock full. I kept looking at my watch thinking if what if this like real housewife comes walking in at the last minute or this other one, I'm going to be so pissed that they take away from all of this drama yeah. in the middle of this. So I feel like we missed out on something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but, but I also thought that plastic through all of this, it could have been very easy for plastic to immediately get defensive and have it turn into where it was a real shouting match between the two of them. And I'm glad to see that didn't happen. It goes back to a lot of the maturity that I feel like we're seeing for somebody so young as Plastique is, which is very refreshing because a lot of times the, tw- the young ones, with you know, if it had been Raja versus Ariel, I think that would have been a completely different scenario that it happened. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. And what about uh, the Vanessa and Evie? Vanessa and Evie, I I don't get that. Other than I think Evie was looking. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know because Evie, because I took that as when she said who should go home to Vanessa and Vanessa said, well, clearly, you know, Evie, because, you know, she's, she's reading me all the time, but she's right. It was said kind of, I took it as a joke. Yeah. I took it as a joke too. I thought Evie, like like I said, again, is it's one of these things where Evie's kind of playing it smart. The one who seems calmer in the fight, even though Evie does get really, really, really upset. But Vanessa's more upset mm. is the one that you just think is right. But actually, I think in this case, because Evie's the one rolling her eyes, Evie is mad because but Vanessa clearly was joking and even says because she was right. She says, right. I think she should go home when she's right. You know what's funny? Even though it has nothing to do with the fight, I was thinking Akuria did it right. Whenever I, if I ever go on this drag race, even though I don't do drag, and they ask me who should go home. You tongue in cheek say 
whoever the best person is and yeah. say, because they're my biggest competition. Right. And then that person feels uh, validated. They don't have to like, oh, she just acknowledged I'm good. Rue gets his answer. Everybody's happy. But so if 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 RuPaul came on RuPaul's Drag Race recap mm-hmm. and said to you, of yeah. all of your co-hosts of Drag Race recap, who's the Evan. one that should never be on the show again? Okay, Evan. okay, well that's okay. I was going to say Taylor because you do the show with me, and I'm sitting right here. That would be kind of the example that we were talking. Oh, about. Taylor, <laughs> you're such a dick. Uh, but, okay. okay, so all right. Have we talked about no, no, the, yeah, the, the eating Vanessa thing? Uh, well, here's the th- deal: is have you said everything you want to say in general about eating Vanessa? I mean, we are going to literally do a show right now. As soon as we finish this, we're going to do another show where we're going to break it down minute by minute, second by second. So, oh, this isn't that. No, <laughs> no. Oh, oh. That's why. Well, okay. she's talking a long time here. Oh, about, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get looks in because we have french doors in the office where suddenly the curtain's gonna go back and i'm gonna have babaloo staring at me just like looking at his watch at some point but it's fine yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll get over it he'll deal with it he's playing switch out in the other room it's fine um it means he's fucking i a don't girl. really what i said means he's fucking a girl Ooh. um i have a name uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would say I, that that one was more I was more afraid of Vanessa than I was Evie at that point. Cause at one point, like Vanessa turns around and is showing teeth, man, yeah. where she is just snarling stuff. And it just seemed very like, Oh no, sh- this is the bitch that would fight you in the parking lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that would, that wouldn't just, or well, there wouldn't just be words in the bar. She'd wait for your ass out in the parking yeah, lot yeah. and beat the shit out. If of you. There weren't cameras there. She would have attacked Evie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was, a, a sprained ankle would have been the least of her injuries. You don't fuck with a Latin woman. No. 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 Uh, well, clearly, you met my husband. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. All right. I, I have, okay. What I would like to see, if this is the way that they're going to keep doing this, where it is going to be 90 minutes of drag race and then a half an hour of untalked, I think they should change the format. And I, by that, I mean, I think Untucked should go away and it should just be a two-hour episode where they don't do the lip sync until the last 10 minutes, where Untucked gets folded into the actual episode. Because I think that this would have had a lot more resonance and would have had a lot more dramatic um, effect if we didn't know that Raja was going home in the already because we'd already seen her go home so if it's something where they they kind of cut to where they say you can go back and untucked untuck in the you know interior illusions lounge or whatever and they all go back there and then it immediately goes into untucked and then it almost where it goes back to drag race i feel as though that at this point if they're going to keep doing this the way they're doing it that 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 would be much more dramatic all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of are you kidding you have no thoughts to that? Um, I, I, I don't know if I like it. Why? Because I like to, I don't think that everybody who wants to stay for Untucked. I don't always want to stay but, for Untucked. But if anything, if you would think from a Viacom and from RuPaul, you're going to get people that are going to stay for that extra 25 minutes 
knowing that knowing that you know that which is advertisers and mm-hmm. people coming in that yeah. it makes more sense to do it that way but in a very on the flip side if the show is too long and they don't have and they have no resolution at a certain point if it's not a good episode of untucked they can make a tight episode of the show but if it's not a tight episode of untucked you're going to lose people Okay, but th- but then in that situation, Untucked can only be fifteen minutes of the show or ten minutes of the show. It's not. Oh, it I doesn't. You saying. don't have to fit the whole. You know, they have enough stuff that they could create a two-hour show. You know, or even better, do ninety minutes and incorporate Untucked. We've talked about how a lot of these episodes are just like filler episodes. You know, and there have been times where the show has been sixty minutes, and then they said next week a very special ninety-minute episode. There's no reason they can't go back to doing that. Well, that concludes this uh, week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Drag Race Recap. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap. For bonus content and to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash dragracerecap. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Twitter and Instagram at PIMC Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batance. That's B E T A N C E. The outro music was written by Lucian Piani and arranged and performed by Alex Lefebvre. You can find Alex Lefebvre on Instagram at Alex Lefebvre Music. To find all of our old episodes, visit our website at DragRaceRecap.com. You can also find other Afterthought Media shows like Hello Uglies at HelloUglies.com and Catching Up at CatchingUpPodcast.com. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media production.